0: two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning, if it's West Coast, whatever for me. And we're not all going to make perfect decisions, but one of the number one indicators of entrepreneurial success in early stage companies is historical successes and having a track record of building businesses before, even unsuccessfully. And that's what I've been doing for my entire career. So I think we're in a position where we can actually bring some perspectives, especially to first-time founders and say, we've lived some of this movie before, and here's where some of the pitfalls might be to help guide the decisions.
1: From the PodConnect Studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are really excited to have back one of our favorite former guests, Ross O'Brien, the founder and CEO of Bonaventure Equity. Ross, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks, Dan. Great to be back.
1: (laughs) It's good to have you back. The last time we spoke was in the fall and I guess you could say a couple things have changed (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah. For those of you who haven't listened to any of Ross's previous episodes. First off, why Ross is one of the industry's leading authorities on raising capital. He's written a book called you guessed it cannabis capital. And he's a frequent judge on entrepreneurs elevator pitch. And he's the founder and CEO of Bonaventure equity last year. Investment dollars dried up and valuations were plummeting. Ross, fast forward. How does today's cannabis investment environment compare to last year?
0: Well, Dan, it's a great question. And I I would say it's a pretty complicated answer. So let's break it (laughs) apart in a couple of elements. One is Let's look at the macro, just the world, as it has changed. So before we get into the nuances of cannabis, what's different? I don't think anybody would disagree that there's been a transformative change in how we do business, how we interact as people, how our society operates. Some very challenging, negative things have happened, but we're also seeing a lot of innovation and positive outcomes, changes, adaptations. So I would say at a macro level, there's been things that have been forced to be addressed sooner. And some things that were just inevitable, and people are adapting to that and moving on. For example, we know statistically that there's just an explosion in entrepreneurship as there is coming out of any economic down cycle. High-velocity businesses, as they're defined by the Statistics Bureau, is on the rise again. We look at what happened in 0809. There's great companies formed. And so what are the things that we're looking at as investors are the companies that are resilient, the companies that have been able to adapt, move quickly, shore up balance sheets, make changes, go through the pivots. And so this is happening in every industry, in every category, not just in cannabis. So I'd say that was the big thing in entrepreneurship that we're watching for. And I personally believe that there's just phenomenal companies that are being built right now that are really challenged with raising capital because as you said, there's money moves with market momentums and there's been a pullback and then there's been more capital put to work and there continues to be this pendulum swing, which is really difficult for entrepreneurs to manage through. I'm certainly seeing it directly.
1: <laughs> it's got to be really challenging for entrepreneurs, but for investors, I know last year there was a lot of enthusiasm because the lower valuations created a buyer's market investors were getting really good deals. Is it still a buyer's market?
0: Yeah, look, I think in venture capital, there's always a buyer's market because there's, it doesn't matter, sector, cycle, there's always a lack of capital for the amount of companies that are looking for capital or the amount of founders. So it's always a buyer's market. I'm seeing a lot more people go into distressed deals. It's not an area we play in. We stick to our knitting, which is venture, but I've certainly seen people explore that. Yes, there's companies that have come under duress that I'm sure could be turned around, have value there that others could extract. So those things have to happen. And that's just the general cycle of business. As far as valuations are concerned, it's always a negotiation. We're at the early stage. We're looking at Series C, Series A investments. And I'm less sensitive to what's happening in the market. And I would say as a general matter, I've been consistent with this from day one, that valuations have been... excessively inflated, certainly valuation expectations have been inflamed in cannabis because of retail investor exuberance. We're not going to get caught up in that. There's plenty of opportunities out there. There's plenty of deal flow. We don't have to stretch if we're not comfortable with the valuation expectation of the founders. And it's really a symptom of
1: negotiation. Yeah. You mentioned investors trying to cherry pick the distressed, that's just, I I think they're way out of their range. I know we talked about how challenging it is for casual investors to pick winners. And I got to believe it's even more challenging now. Do any of your LPs even still try to invest on their own or are they pretty much let you manage their cannabis investing? Yeah.
0: So we play a part in the cannabis investing and we have co-investment rights with with everybody that's, that's partners with us. Generally, the limited partners that we have are going to have very expansive portfolios, and they'll probably have some direct investing in that in tech companies, startups, not just cannabis, but things like that as well. But you've hit the nail on the head, Dan, is is I think as you look at mature markets that we compare to healthcare or software, et cetera, at a certain point at an early stage, the pooled portfolio strategy is risk averse compared to just trying to pick a winner yourself mm-hmm. and in particular with cannabis these are high risk investments obviously because then you're looking for venture returns but look we certainly see in cannabis it is an incredibly choppy marketplace out there it's very difficult to navigate and so this is what we do every day so yes our investors are are certainly working with us because we play a key part in their allocation to early stage high growth private companies in cannabis
1: yeah Yeah, I just think it's got to be really challenging right now to be able to pick winners. You talked a little bit about your portfolio. Let's talk about how challenging that must have been to try to guide those guys. One of the benefits of working with a team like yours is that these companies that you invest in get your guidance. And especially when it comes to the next round of fundraising, that's one of the key advantages to having investors is they can walk them through that minefield. It had to be tough with valuations going down and a lot of companies saying, ah, geez, I don't want to take a lower valuation. But sometimes you need to take a lower valuation just to keep the momentum going. I know it's got to be on a case by case basis, but how did your companies when to take a haircut and when not to?
0: Yeah. So look, there's always a healthy tension once you are an investor in a company and there's follow-on rounds of saying, okay, we obviously all want the valuation to reflect the value that's being built in the company, but then there's the risk of the capital versus the illiquidity of the investment and and when it plays out. So I think we've certainly been very hands-on with the companies that we've invested in that we've done follow-ons on and are doing some follow-ons in. And and look, it's about being collaborative and it's about doing the right thing for the company. Valuations tend to be inoculated with structure at that point. Are we doing convertibles? Is there a discount to that? Is there a cap to it? Is there a way to just address both parties' issues and make structure? We, we tend to gravitate towards what we call asymmetrical terms in our term sheets, meaning that we try to bake in some mechanisms that bridge any gaps that we have. So for example, if we want to buy 20% of the company and the company wants to sell 10, can we bridge that? 5% and say, you know what, if these milestones are met, then the management team got it right and the valuations increased and they can claim that 50% or 5% rather, or two and a half of it or whatever. And if the company doesn't hit their projections, and it's far more complicated than that with a plan and things like but I'm trying to give an yeah. override to it where... Look, you you pick some destinations in the future and your delta of hitting those targets or not will influence the resets of the cap table along the way. That tends to be a really great way to be collaborative around designing a business plan together, too. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like, we don't really get too hung up on valuation in the seed and series A's that we plan simply because at the end of the day, it's about extracting that value. So us as investors, we're not gonna stay with a company through twenty years of life cycles going through to sure we'd be happy to, you know, participate in an IPO, but we're not gonna help run public companies and things like that. So the point is at some point somebody else in the future has to come in and explicitly define what they perceive the value and it's negotiated then. You know, it's up to us to build a company that has the strongest position to have that conversation in the future and to do it our in arm arm with the entrepreneurs and you're right during this last year and a half since the pandemic started for sure we've had to really demonstrate to the founders that we've worked with that what we told them about our approach to entrepreneurship is that we are going to show up when the times are tough and we are going to show up and help make decisions and we're going to get on zoom calls at two o'clock in the morning one o'clock in the morning if it's west coast whatever for me and we're not all going to make perfect decisions But one of the number one indicators of entrepreneurial success in early stage companies is historical successes and having a track record of building businesses before, even unsuccessfully. And that's what I've been doing for my entire career. So I think we're in a position where we can actually bring some perspectives, especially to first time founders and say, we've lived some of this movie before. And here's where some of the pitfalls might be to help guide the decisions.
1: I know in my life, it would have been great to have somebody that I could lean on and say, hey, I don't know what the hell's going on right now. I don't know what to do. It'd be great to have somebody there say, last time we were in a situation like this worked.
0: I love how you framed that because really it comes down to communication, right? And the entrepreneurs historically that I tend to have the longest runs of successes with or pr- progression with, you know, are typically wired to be upfront about these things and, and to reach out and say, hey, I don't have the answers. That's how I leverage my board. Everybody's got responsibilities up and down the chain. Just because we invest capital doesn't mean we're not accountable to partners and boards ourselves. And it's really about leveraging the value that you get from those individuals and being able to have an open conversation, in particular, like you said, Dan, when things get tough, because you know what I can guarantee you? Something's going to happen again and there's going to be some challenge.
1: Yeah. Yep, for sure. For sure. Well, you're obviously doing things right because your portfolio seems to be doing really well. So well, in fact, that you're launching a new fund. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah. So we're really excited about the direction of the companies in the portfolio. One of the things that I saw, Dan, is is a lot of funds would just quickly raise follow-on funds in, in cannabis. And, and we certainly didn't want to be in a rush to do that until we demonstrated that the platform that we've built and the companies that we're working with is the model to be scaled going forward. And we're seeing the, the proof in that now candidly sooner than I thought. So it gives us an opportunity now to really look at where we're going to continue to put capital as partners into this space. We're really excited about the reframing of the investment thesis. So for us, Dan, we're really focusing in on healthcare applications in cannabis. Psilocybin is included in that as well. We think that plant-based medicine and healthcare applications more broadly as alternative health, we're just scratching the surface of the opportunities there. Just the developments we're seeing on the companies that are more scientific in our portfolio are hugely compelling, great founders, really dynamic opportunities. And we look at things like the opening up of FDA pathways And we're not seeing a lot of funds just really focus on that. It's an area that I've invested in personally and and with partners for years. So it seems like a natural way for us to really continue to lean into this space. And look, we're seeing... All of the right smoke signals from a regulatory standpoint happening out of the the pandemic, I personally believe that we're going to continue to see some pretty significant, positive regulatory momentum continue for, the, for at least the next cycle, because we need to bring in more tax revenue at the state <laughs> level. And that experiment's over. It works. So we're excited to really continue to invest in this space. And, and we're very quickly now looking at some new companies to invest in as well.
1: Wow, that's super exciting. That's super exciting. And we're going to have all of Ross's information and Bonaventure Venture equities information in the show notes. So if you're interested in learning more about Fund 2 or if you're a cannabis company that's raising money that maybe falls into that sector, I'm sure Ross's team would be happy to talk to you more. Ross, we have to do this more often. We have a lot of stuff that I wanted to ask you today, but I didn't get a chance. Thanks for being on the show today.
0: Dan, it's always a pleasure to be continued. And if I can leave your audience with some continued words of encouragement, the entrepreneurs that I'm seeing out there are really building great companies right now. I'm more excited than ever to see these, uh, these emerging leaders and, and founders building great businesses. And the time is now, and I hope we can be supportive of that.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe,
0: host of Casually Baked, the podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help
1: lighten the stigma and build your of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and
0: journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.